We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. You hear the music, you know what it means. We're here, Moose and Runes podcast. For Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musso. A little celebration in order here. Uh, the Golden Pony, the, the most beautiful Blackhawk there ever was, back in the city of Broad Shoulders. Matt, we got to break this one down. We're going to kick things off with Patrick Sharp. A little look at the rundown today. We got NBA free agency to hit. Uh, I got a big grievance I want to air out. We're going to talk uh, a little bit of football. We're going to sneak in some QB talk. We got plenty to talk about today, but let's start with the flowing locks of Patrick Sharp. There's only one reason he came back, Joe, and that is... For me. Just for, for me, because I needed him back. Well, okay, that's number two. It's a, it's, okay. a, it's a very close second. Gotcha. But you mentioned the flowing locks. Mm-hmm. He got a little bit upset about people talking about Ryan Hartman's hair the last couple of years and how great it, that hair is. Is he that what it was? Back. He's back for the title. This is a watch the throne type situation yeah, this, here. This that is a, this, a, it's a watch off. Watch off. Watch out, Rook. You know, okay. I like that. Well, well, Matt, I, I know that we've talked about this plenty throughout the week uh, once once the deal came down, but uh, I want to play devil's advocate here a little bit, and, sure. and you can flesh out why why this works. So uh, I'm going to give you your, your 10 seconds of fanboy right now, and then we'll kind of dig into the details of it. Can't wait for him to just score like 30 goals this year. He's going to be a perfect fit <laughs> on Kane's left wing. It's just going to be it's, it's going to be 2010 all over again. It's, it's, it's 2010 Patrick Sharp in his prime, right? That's who we got. Uh, well, well, you set me up perfectly there now to play devil's advocate. The first knock on Sharpie, too old, injury prone. Is this, is this something that, you know, we got him at a bargain. The Hawks knew the deal was right, but you're still taking on a little bit of a liability in terms of injury. I'll give you injury prone. Um, yeah, he, he had a, a tough year last year with a couple concussions, or at least one concussion, maybe a couple, and then the hip injury he's, he's currently rehabbing from now. Um, I'm not going to give you too old, though. Because he's what thirty, okay. going to be thirty six, I think, when the season started. Is a thirty four year old. Mm-hmm. I think he had a fifty five point season, put up twenty plus goals. You know, he's when healthy, he's not too old. But it's 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 the two health. It's the when healthy caveat that I will agree with you. We've never seen him come back from this big of an injury, hip surgery. You know, thirty five years old. You don't know how a guy's going to react to that. But the mm-hmm. risk is so low. Uh, I believe it was a base salary of eight hundred thousand with incentives that can go up to make it up to a million. So it's not like they're paying a guy big money here. Yeah, the, the numbers worked out for the Blackhawks, and it's a fam- familiar face. Uh, my other devil's advocate uh, uh, angle here would be that this isn't good for the, for the room. This isn't good for the locker room. The guys that he had uh, trouble with in the first stint, your Duncan Keiths, your Patrick Canes, whatever those personal issues were, those guys are still in the room. Um, is this something that you think management went to the guys first? Is this something that uh, you think could be an issue moving forward, or is that hatchet buried? You know, knowing how thorough uh, you know this this upper management is, and how well if they treat their players and all that, I, I doubt that they didn't address and you know, bring. If there is a problem, I don't know the problems. I don't know the extent of any of them, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I doubt if there was that serious of an issue with you know two of your three franchise core players that they wouldn't have been at least given a phone call, a text, a sit-down, whatever, saying, hey, we're thinking about doing this. What are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I would say there's about a 0% chance Kane and Keith were not made aware that this was a possibility and wouldn't have yeah. had the chance to say, you know what, no, I don't want this to happen. Yeah, and you know, I'd like to think that that was the situation as well with the way that the franchise has been run. And uh, these, are, these are guys in Patrick Kane and Duncan Keith that, that are team first guys. I, I really don't think that even if there still was a personal issue, that if these if they thought Patrick Sharp could make their team better, they're they're going to give it the green light. Hey, there there was a personal issue, you know, rumored personal issue with both of them in 2015, and that that mm-hmm. season turned out just fine, if I remember. Yeah, that that did so, things did end up uh, shaking out uh, in a decent manner. I think it went their way at the end. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Matt, let's really let's dig into the details of it here. What? Where do you see Patrick Sharp fitting in 
what what line is he going to be on? And let's say everything goes right and he does play a healthy 70 games because you got to give him a couple games off, a couple games for dings mm-hmm. here and there. Let's say you get 65 to 70 games out of him. Where do you see him fit into this team? Um, I think you're going to see I, – I, think you're going to see him starting on that third line left wing he's going to be a guy who can obviously slot up in the top six you know knowing you know play, having played with Taves having played with Kane in the past he's going to be a guy who, if there's injuries or if they just need to jumble things up like Q loves to do he's a guy who will be able to slot up in there if things are going well um, I think you're looking for about 20 some goals you know, give you a tough two-way game in the bottom six that you know not quite to the extent Hosa played, but, you know, Sharp was a penalty killer in his past. He's, he's a tough guy to play against, so I think you're looking for a little bit of an edge from his game, too. Um, and he's, he's a guy who's just been there before. He he knows who he is now. He knows he's not the Patrick Sharp of 2010. Mm-hmm. And you're looking for a good influence in the locker room with some scoring touch. He's a guy who can replace Artemi Panarin on that top circle on the, on the power play, a very similar type shot, type style player from there. So he, he fills some holes if he's healthy. But again, he's got to be healthy. And if he's not, I can't stress this enough. There's no risk attached to this. Yeah. There's no risk at all. Yeah, they they uh, they found themselves in a team-friendly contract with with a guy that they know and, and a guy that you can that you can still get something out of. Yeah, that, if, if that he's healthy, there, that you there's can still, get something from him. It might not be the biggest upside, but there is still an upside here. And the biggest plus out of all of it, if they win the 2018 Cup, when they win the 2018 Cup, you got somewhere to party. Remember, they threw that awesome party with Eddie Vedder on, on Sharp's rooftop after it, and people were like go. gathering around the house. So, so I'm looking at this. For. I'm looking at this from all angles. Just, Parties. We, we need a few goals out of you, um, and and I need the beer to be cold when we get to the party. Joe's always looking for the party. You think we get an invite? Um, I don't know. We might we might have to weasel our way in. I think uh, I think Big Cat snuck into that one, but uh, you know. He snuck into the team picture as well, so, uh, so, so, so I'm not I'm not ruling it out. I'm not putting it out of the question. That's all I ask. That's all. I all just right. wanted. You're saying there's a chance. <laughs> there is a chance, Matt. Well, you got any other uh, other hockey news to hit us with? No, let's you're, just. You're, let, our, you're you know, our resident hockey confidant. I, I don't think Marcus Kruger was traded yesterday. We all mm-hmm. saw that coming. Um, yeah, won a couple cups here. Sad to see him go, but it had to happen. Other than that, uh, no, I don't. Nothing. Hawks are. Hawks are waiting for that Hosa ruling to come down, which should be yeah, yeah, um, and nothing that they don't expect to happen. Yeah, and, and I, I posed you this question yesterday, Matt, and I'll continue to pose it week by week as things do continue to change. Blackhawks roster today better than it was at season's end? Not today, but getting okay. there. Getting there. Still, getting there. Still, still working in that direction. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Well, Matt, Matt we're going to move our uh, focus to what has been – reality television of NBA free agency, you got supermax contracts, you got superstars going to different cities. There's so much movement right now, and it's been fun to watch. Even as a casual NBA fan, I've been engrossed by just the business side of the NBA right now. Joe, before we get too far into these contracts, you know what what you know the news that stuck out to you the most, I want to just uh-huh. ask you one question. Um is there a way that I could get into the NBA and not record a stat for 20 minutes and make a four-year, $44 million contract? Because that's what Tony Snell did. He, he has I a would, couple games on record where he did not record a single statistic, I can and he wave, made $44 mil. I think I could do that. I really do. I can wave a towel. I will dance opposite of Russell Westbrook. I'll do whatever you need me to do. I'll be the 15th man on the end of that bench there for moral support, and I'll get $40 million. Yeah. I'm in. Joe, you would be a great back of the bench guy, you know, hype guy, hold like fake right? hold back everybody. I could see you right? doing that. Yeah, yeah you'd still have the warm up on, obviously. Ripping the guitar, the three point guitar celebration. Like I, I'd have a couple new ones. It'd be great. I'd be I'd be mysteriously hurt for a couple games just so I could wear like a, a, a nice suit, some good looking street clothes. The short you know? sleeve rondo suit. The short sleeve rondo. Yeah, yeah, like you so. Could pull so that we, off. we'd make we'd make the most of, of a situation like that, but. It's just it's a money grab right now. The the NBA is like I'm these players are like diving into gold doubloons, like Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> they look like right now. That's what I'm picturing. But I, I'm going to tease my grievance here. But it's not enough. It, it, it's still not enough. Steph Curry should be making more oh, than his two hundred one million dollar contract. Save it. Save I'm it. I'm saving save it. Save it. I'm saving it. But let's start there. Steph Curry signs his supermax, well deserved, from a guy who who 
might not have gotten drafted, who was doubting if he had a future in the league to the highest paid player in the league, now going to make 40 and, a, and some change per season. Yeah, worth every penny of it. Uh, deserves it, especially after being underpaid. Well, I guess if you could say that underpaid for the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that's the most important or relevant signing of the offseason because that's uh, – I don't, I don't think Cleveland's made any big splashes. I know they signed Corver, and that's the only other team that can go to the NBA Finals. So yeah. that's one of the only signings that actually matters this offseason. Yeah, speaking of teams that, that got close to the NBA Finals and maybe – have a false sense that they could get to the NBA Finals because of their move. Paul George to OKC on what looks like a one-year loan. I still think he goes to L.A. in 2018. But you have a couple guys uh, who know each other, who are from the same area in California, now playing together. Do you think it works between Russell Westbrook and Paul George? Because you saw that tug and pull between Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. Each one of them wanted the offense to run through themselves. I think that you're kind of set up for a very similar situation. If you're set up for a pretty similar situation, you're not in a bad situation. That team yeah, that's went true. away from an NBA Finals. They were in they were in an NBA Finals a few years prior. But uh, that's I mean, no, I think Paul George knows it's kind of a one year thing. I don't think it's going to be a who's man's type situation because they're not mm-hmm. going to play together that long. I think he knows he's a bit more of an outsider, kind of coming in here on a loan situation. And Paul George isn't Kevin Durant. Yeah, I don't think there's an argument who, who the better offensive weapon is between Paul George and Russell Westbrook, and I think everybody kind of knows that, including Paul George himself. If he doesn't, he's a little bit delirious. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that's Russ's team, and it's probably a good idea. It might even be better for them that there isn't that you know back and forth between the two who's you know who's got the ball in the end of, end of the game type situation. But I, I think it should work. They should be better than they were last year. They're not going to beat Golden State. Uh, it was fun to see that trade go down because it came out of left field. But in the end, it's all going to maybe equal a Western Conference Finals trip. Yeah, and uh, it I, I just kind of got, got lost in, in listening to you talk there. And my head immediately went to Danny Ainge and like, what is Danny Ainge doing? Because it sounds like like he just he just loves his assets. He just loves having his assets because there were multiple moves that he could have made, whether it be for Jimmy Butler, now for Paul George. If you're a Boston Celtics fan, how do you got to be feeling right now? They, I mean, we're both fans, so no one's really feeling any worse than us. But if you're a Boston Celtics fan, how are you feeling? I'm kind of I'm, – I'm guessing I'm banking on Gordon Hayward. Even then, yeah. though, I mean, I like Gordon Hayward a lot. Um, he's not Paul George or Jimmy Butler. And I know these assets are valuable and, and all that, and they could turn into something great. But with where the Celtics are at, uh, and when we're, where with where the Cavs might be in a year or two, if LeBron were to leave, or if that team just continues to kind of regress a little bit, um, mm-hmm. the, the Cavs are beatable. Yeah. Uh, if you were to go out and add a Jimmy Butler or Paul George, granted, maybe um, Ainge saw the writing on the wall with George and it was a little bit of a he's only here for a year. I don't want to move the assets for one year of Paul George. Fine, mm-hmm. but. Uh, it, with all the availabilities out there and him holding on to these assets, it's it's strange, to say the least. It, it's strange, and uh, it, Gordon Hayward's not a sure thing. Uh, we 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 know firsthand, not you and I, but as as viewers, as fans of the NBA, I was gonna I was looking for the word there, but the sales pitch in Miami can be persuasive. We saw the league get flipped on its head. What was that five years ago, six mm-hmm. years ago now? And Gordon Hayward just got that sales pitch. So I don't know if Danny Ainge or if if uh, Hayward to Boston is a sure thing either. No, I think so. What it's Miami, Utah, and Boston seem to be kind yes. of like the final three for him. I, I think mm-hmm. I think it'll be Boston. Um, Brad Stevens and that connection seems like too good, you know, kind of a too good to be true type thing. Um, yeah, but I, I, I don't think it's back to Utah. I think it's yeah. either going to be Miami or Boston. Either way, um, I'm not re- I, Boston. It makes better, but I'm not sure it gets them over that hump. And Miami is just going to kind of be the congratulations. You got Gordon Hayward. Now you can finish in the top half of a awful, awful Eastern Conference. Yeah, that uh, that December in Utah just isn't as persuasive as South Beach. I don't no? know. Salt Lake City yeah. doesn't do it for you. That nightlife. It's supposedly a gorgeous night sky, but that's that's about all they got. <laughs> Uh, okay, a couple other moves here, Matt. My favorite one, and I think the one that makes 
the biggest difference, the biggest progression is Chris Paul to Houston. I think Chris Paul and James Harden together is going to be something special because it looked like that piece was missing. It looked like James Harden sometimes wanted to defer and people are going to question, you know, his clutch gene, this and that after what happened. But he now has someone to defer to and he has one of the best defensive point guards in the history of the game. But, but here's my question. Do they get to play with more than one ball? See, I hate that. That question's so dead. The, the Warriors <laughs> no, hear, just hear, me, hear me out. Hear, the hear me Warriors out. just won a championship. I know, I know. They could have played with seven balls. No, hear me out here. But the Warriors won that. They had they, they they got the ball around. They moved around everybody, but they didn't have guys who were you know needed the ball to be dominant players. They had a lot of catch and shoot spot up shooters. It seems like and I'm not I'm not an NBA expert by any means. I, I've watched an okay amount of. Rocket I get what you're saying. James Harden needs his. Both dribble. of those guys are yeah. you know ball dominant guards. They, they need the ball, and when they don't have it in their hands, they're not necessarily the greatest offensive threats. They Harden, I think we've seen in the past, isn't as good as he is as he was last year. When you finally made that switch and made him the point guard, he had a career year average, a double double, best season of his life, and now you're going to go back and say, oh. You just had your best year. You averaged 25 and 11 or whatever the hell it was. We're switching your position. You're now going to play something else. We're going to bring in somebody else who hasn't been quite as good as you at this position, but we think he can be pretty good. He's a big name, and that's what the NBA is about, pairing up big names with big names. Granted, it's only a one-year deal on both sides, so it's not like I think what Chris Paul did was fantastic. He opted in and then then forced that trade so he didn't have to make a long-term commitment, and if it doesn't Mm -hmm. work out after one, he can go somewhere else next year. Yeah, but that said, I, I, I don't. The NBA is all in love with getting the big name and pairing up big names without actually really thinking things all the way through. And I think, and I, I know the one ball arguments. It's it's not the greatest, and it's that was more just funny because I think I heard that on every single radio talk show <laughs> I, I listened to over the past week. But I think there's some legitimacy to the argument because Harden had the best year of his life running the point, and now you're going to tell him we're switching you back. Yeah. It's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes down. You make a great point, Matt, that the NBA is just a name-driven league now. And I think that a lot of these moves for teams are reactionary. They want to be a part of the talk. They want mm-hmm. to be a part of the situation. Whereas you see a team like, let's say, the 76ers going about it, building young, adding a veteran piece in J.J. Redick. And it, it, there seems to be a little bit more of a focus on the future there, where a team like Houston or a team like uh, who else made an addition? OKC, I guess. OKC, yeah, that we just talked about. Teams like that are making these name additions that might not amount to anything. So you do make a a good point there. But this is why the fans love it. This is why there is such interest in off-season NBA, in free agency NBA, is because – it almost feels like a fantasy manager situation or a fantasy GM situation where this is like something that Jim from down the block hooked up in his basement and just tried to get these names on his uh, on his fantasy team. Yeah, somebody said, I saw a tweet, random, you know, one of the NBA writers retweeted something funny, but it was like, I feel like I'm living in a world where, you know, a 12-year-old, you know, a 12-year-old NBA 2K17 franchise. Like, Seriously. That's what this feels like. And that's Seriously. fine. That's why the NBA offseason to me, is ten times more compelling than the NBA regular season, regular really, season. or playoffs. You it, took it the com- words out of my mouth. The only thing that uh, that can compete with the NBA offseason is if the Cavs and Warriors are in the NBA Finals. That's about that, it. That's just about it. But this has been the peak of the NBA season since Game Finals. One of the Finals. Maybe the Western Conference Finals had a little allure to them, but like you said, this is kind of the focal point now is the jostling of names because yeah. it is such a player driven league. Um, Matt, before we get off of NBA free agency, my absolute favorite thing in the world, the revenge tour of Tom Thibodeau continues. Taji Wu finds himself alongside alongside his old buddy Jimmy Butler yeah, you know, uh, in Minnesota. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to. Um, we, we talked in the past when, you know, when the Blackhawks were breaking up their teams. You know, Dale Talon brought a whole bunch of – you know, former Blackhawks down to Florida, and now Carolina were, seems to be Atlanta got Black a few Hawks. when the Thrashers we, were there. You, used to joke about you know Blackhawks South, yeah, and that made sense because that team had actually won something. Minnesota and Tibbs is building Chicago Bulls North. That, that's Chicago this North. Is Chicago there. North, and it's interesting though because he never actually won anything with Chicago, and he's he's getting the gang back together. He's probably got the better pieces now to do it, but 
he's hoarding X bulls up there. He wants he wants to rub this in Garpax's face only from only a couple hundred miles away. Yeah, and I, I really like the roster that they've put together up there. I think everyone does. I think it's kind of critical acclaim across the board on what what they've been able to do in Minnesota and the roster on paper. They're saying that roster's a top three roster in the conference. I think. So. I mean, I think. So. I think they're. They, they remind me of a lot of the old Bulls teams, obviously because they have a lot of the players. But just the way they're going to play, they're going to be tough, hard nosed, be fundamentally sound defensively. I think offensively, they're going to have enough depth and rotation to you know get points from everywhere every night. I think the one thing that they're missing, though, correct me if I'm wrong, is is a shooter. Uh, they don't yeah. really have that one. You know, go to three pure point outside shooter. Pure shooter. And if they yep. can find a way to get that, I have no idea what their cap situation is because the NBA cap system to me is like a foreign language. I have no idea how it works. <laughs> um, if they if they can find that shooter somewhere, whether that's coming off the bench or someone who can slot into their starting five, and I that's, think yeah, that really becomes a complete roster. It really does. And I'm not saying they could beat the Warriors. I'm saying they could make an entertaining series with the Warriors with the way they play and the way Tibbs' teams seem to compete and rise to the occasion against teams better than them, which they always did here. And if you get a little coming of age from Carl Anthony Towns, that could be one of the best bigs in the league. He's already up there. So I, I, I think we should uh, definitely keep our eyes on, as you call it, Chicago North. Think about how much trouble Golden State might have if, you know, they, if that were to be a Western Conference Finals matchup, stopping Carl Anthony Towns. They don't really have, I mean, they had Draymond down there, but I don't think he's a great matchup for Towns. Yeah. That would be a fun one to watch. Uh, did you just? I think you just decoded it. The way to beat the Warriors is you got to have a true big. Uh, just, that, that, that's you, the one thing. The one thing, and it's it's. I'm reaching here, but that's the one thing that I think might be able to give them problems. But yeah. that said, Anthony, I think they had a playoff series against the Pelicans a couple of years ago, and Anthony Davis was the dominant player, and they just started kind of doubling him, and, and that was the end of the series. But we'll see. Um, yeah. I think that might be the one way that somebody might be able to compete with. I, I agree with you there, Matt. Well, that closes it up for NBA free agency. Matt, I'm sitting here in, in beautiful Lincoln, Nebraska studios of the Moose and Runes podcast, a.k.a. my living room. Hell of a town. Uh, got, the, got the TV on right now. We got Nadal versus Millman. First round, Wimbledon action. Let's talk about something that we know better than most things. Wimbledon. Wimbledon, baby. We need, we need, some, we need some predictions we need some uh, we need some shout outs Matt give me your Wimbledon take give me one hot Wimbledon take until Roger Federer is dead I will pick him to win Wimbledon completely agree. I, I'm not sure how old he is anymore and I honestly I, I, I didn't think he retired because I didn't see anything in the news so I'm betting he's in Wimbledon he's I'll he's in Wimbledon and he is the favorite so okay, I'll take we're, we're, we're both riding the same pony because Oh, I knew Fed's, you'd take Federer. Fed's a seven-time champion at Wimbledon, and he's got fresh legs, fresher than most of these guys. The odometer for 2017 is extremely low for him. He took off. He didn't play. I believe it was uh, – what did he not play? He won the Australian and then took off the French, I believe is how it went down. Sure. Um, because – sure. Thank you. Um, so so there's, no, there's no fatigue in those legs, and who's, who's really going to beat him? Nadal is historically bad at Wimbledon. Joker has been bad for the last year. Murray's having a rough six months. And, I mean, if you want to bring Stan Warinka into that conversation, Stan's uh, never been out of... Right, that took the words out of my mouth. I always want to talk about Stan Warinka. Stan's never been out of the quarters at Wimbledon. So I really think if Fed's the, the man to beat, and he can only beat himself here. I agree. You you agree? You got nothing else for me there, man. Uh, I mean, you, honestly, you said you you took the only names <laughs> in tennis that I know and basically said everything I could have. You took my thing on the doll that you know he's he's usually good, but ends up falling to Federer in the end. I didn't know Andy Murray was struggling recently. I didn't know Djokovic was bad now. So you've kind of taken the big four names that I know and there stole them from me. Thanks. Well, now well, I sound like an man. idiot. Because what what screams Fourth of July weekend more than the All English Club? Correct. Yeah, I, I, it's not, it's a funny joke and it makes sense, but actually, I, that is one of the things I associate with Fourth of July weekend is watching the Wimbledon final, on watching that tennis be played in Great Britain. That's one by of the few English royalty. That's that's one of the few <laughs> tennis matches I actually watch regularly, pretty much every year is that Wimbledon final because we liberated ourselves from English rule, and to remember that fact, 
we watch English tennis. Well, it used to make sense when an American and Andy Roddick was winning every was yes. every year, and then he choke and lose. but apparently americans don't play tennis anymore no we're done i'm looking at you mike mayanza sounds like a shout out sounds it did it felt like a shout out yeah call i meant to say like call out call same out thing. Yeah. Same thing. i don't even know if he listens so he probably not <laughs> um matt it uh I, I touched on it earlier and it is a thorn in my side so if you could hit the music i need to air a grievance go for it the tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind, because I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right, Matt. We were talking NBA free agency. Steph Curry signs his Supermax. Five years, $201 million. Congratulations. As we said, well-deserved. But the king has to have his voice heard. LeBron James chimes in on Twitter, and I'll read this verbatim here. LeBron James tweets on July 1st at 2.12 p.m. because he's got nothing else going. So tell me again why there's a cap and how much a player should get. Don't answer that. Steph should be getting $400 million this summer, five years. Hashtag JMTs, which I believe stands for Just My Thoughts. Well, you know what, LeBron? No one gives two squirts of piss about your thoughts about this. You guys are all multimillionaires. Everyone's eaten. Everyone's going to continue to eat, and your salaries are just going to continue to grow. So for once, for once, give me a little bit of self-awareness. If you don't want there to be a cap, there are things you can do for there not to be a cap. LeBron, you're about to be a billionaire. Buy a team. There's your cap. You don't have to cap anything there. It's a revenue-sharing league, and the players make 51% of basketball revenue. That's been bargained. That's clear in the CBA. If you want more of that 51%, you're going to have to either go get endorsements. You're going to have to buy a team. You're going to have to do something to increase your own personal revenue if that 51% isn't enough. The team valuations are just that. If you're going to compare this and say that, oh, the owner of the Warriors bought the Warriors for $450 million. Now they're worth $2 billion, two point whatever billion, and that's largely in part because of Steph. That's true, but that's good business. That has nothing to do with the basketball side of things because that valuation is just that right now. That doesn't mean the owner has $2.5 billion in the bank because of the Warriors. It means that if he was to sell today, that's what they'd be worth. That's his business. That's his nugget. That's why the team's valued at that. That has nothing to do with his direct revenue. This is another example of LeBron just completely lacking any self-awareness. Like, what about the minimum wage worker or your 9-to-5 worker that wants to take their kid to the game and has now been priced out of the arena because of your hypothetical $80 million contract because the owner then has to raise ticket prices even higher to pay your contracts? It's a trickle-down effect, and a lot of these players don't understand that. I expect the players union vice president, I expect the face of the league to understand that and to have a little bit of self-awareness. If you're going to be the vice president of the players association, posture behind closed doors. You know what? Get in Adam Silver's office because I know he'll take a meeting with you on the drop of a dime. Go talk to him about this because the collective bargaining agreement has been bargained and it's set until 2022 until then just keep your mouth shut because the salaries have skyrocketed they'll continue to skyrocket over the next 20 years because tv contracts are going to continue to skyrocket as well you're going to get your money and someday that 400 million dollar contract will be a reality but let that happen over time let that happen over the progress of everybody making money and if you want it to be different bargain different and that that's my grievance, Matt. I agree with just about everything you said. And the one thing I will say, I maybe add on to it, is I, I think I don't think LeBron really thought through any of that. I don't I think or that was even his motivation behind this was wanting that money. I think LeBron's motivation behind this was him just wanting to send out a tweet that people might see and say, like, oh, look how cool LeBron is, look how nice he is, look how complimentary he is to Seth saying how good he is. That's he's such a good guy, such a you know you know, league-wide, you know, friend of everybody. I, I think that's really was more of the motivation, not the money. He knows he's the richest man, whatever. He has all the money in the world. I think this is more just him being like, 
I haven't been in social media for a little while. I want to say something that people are going to think is very nice of me. Well, you know what? That's, it was much that's simpler great. motivation behind No, it. I know. That's great. And it's the banana boatification of the NBA. He's trying to get Steph on the back. He wants him to be part of his vacation. He wants to drink expensive wine with him. That's all fine. But when you have 37 million followers on Twitter, you got to be worried about the repercussion as well as the motivation. Don't disagree with you. All right. Well, makes I'm for great steaming. radio when we agree. I'm, I'm steaming right now, Matt. So uh, let, let's, 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 let's calm something down here. Why don't, should we, we jump to up? some buy or sell? Should we do Ooh. something fun here? Yeah. Why buy you, or sell. You want me to start us off or you want me or you want, you want to do it? Kick us off. I need a sip of water. Okay. Joe, I don't, I don't know if you saw this, um, but the, the NL and AL All-Star starting lineups revealed yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach Cozart is going to be getting his, uh, his first start in the All-Star game at shortstop. He made a bet. I, I, I think, believe it had something to do with his son or whatever. I, I'm not going to get too deep into it. Made a bet with Joey Votto at the beginning of the year that if Cozart was named to the NL All-Star team, Votto would have to buy him a donkey. A donkey. Like, yeah, a, a donkey. Okay. Like, a, like, a, like an animal? An like, animal like donkey? Like the animal donkey. I don't know if there's okay. any other kind. Joe, like buy, or, buy or sell, there is anything that I could do that would make you agree to buy me a donkey. Well, that's an interesting question. Um, I know, right? Well, if that were, was the terms of our agreement, then I guess I'd buy, yes. If we made a deal and the deal was from if you won or if you did something to buy your donkey, I guess I would have to buy said donkey. It's a practical gift for a ranch hand, for someone who owns land. A donkey is a very, very hardworking animal. Uh, I certainly own a, a lot of land. You get a lot of man hours out of a donkey, I guess. Um do, do you want a donkey, Matt, or are you just being a jackass? Oh. <laughs> Dad joke of the week. That's good. Dad gonna, that, that, joke that, of the week. That's a good one to wrap this up on. And it, clearly, <laughs> I was just being a jackass. All right. Well, Matt. No, a donkey I, would be cool. Yeah. Like if you have like some hillside property and you need, um, you need to get, you need to traverse <laughs> the hillside. You need to get I up the hill. The donkey is your ideal animal. Oh God! And that's that was that was fun. Oh Lordy! I wasted um, a buy or sell question, but I'm not mad about it. Well, well, I got one. I got one here for you. You want me to go? Uh, good news, bad news here. You want the you want the more playful one, or do you want something that, to dig your teeth into? Oh, let's let's go bad news, I guess. So that's you want to dig your teeth? Yeah, let's dig my teeth. Okay, buy or sell Miguel Montero's DFA assignment? Oh, I buy it. Um, I, I think there was no, there's no real reason to keep him around if he was. I, I don't think he was getting on everybody's nerves, but I think he was getting on some people's nerves, and I don't think he was doing enough to warrant being kept around. I think he was a backup catcher. Granted, he was starting to hit a little bit this year, but he said some stupid stuff in the media. It's not the first time he called out a teammate. Anthony Rizzo clearly had problems with him, and they had, had problems with each other. The locker room appears to be a little bit toxic this year. Um, they don't really have that leadership voice in David Ross like they had last year. It, it just makes sense. I mean, he's if it's a guy who's hitting 300 and you know has 20 homers, 50 RBIs, it's different. But it's not. It's it's a replaceable piece. And while now your catching core is very young, you can go out and add a veteran catcher to deadline for pretty cheap. So I buy it. I think it was the right move. Um, that that was you kind of answered my follow up there. But let's say I'm not going to go as far as to say Chris Bryant, but let's say. A Zobrist comes out with these same sorts of comments against the catcher, kind of stirring the pot a little bit. Do you think there's the same outcome, or is this just because it was an expendable piece? I think it was A, because it was an expendable piece, and B, because it wasn't his first offense. Um, okay. I think had that been you know, the first time he had said anything, it would have been... This kind of started handled. all right after the... All right after the World Series when he was complaining yeah. about his playing time. Yeah, I, I honestly, I was, I was actually listening to that interview. I remember on Waddle and Sylvie, and he started complaining about playing time. They actually kind of gave him an out, like, you know, a reason to back off the words or a way to you know, change <laughs> yeah. up the subject, and he did not take it. He took it and ran with it. Yeah. Um, and then again, and like, in I, this know, earlier, instance, in the, earlier this season, too, he said something along the lines of, you know, a lot of people in this locker room are taking things for granted, stuff like that. So it wasn't the first time he called out teammates or the team organization yeah. whatever in the media and that's not the place to do it if you're going to call somebody and, out. and also in this instance matt too it sounds like the same thing 
I'm told that he sought out reporters. He called reporters over to his locker to get these comments out. So um, I'm buying it too. Yeah, it's I like the guy, and I kind of he was fun to you know watch and you know have in the Chicago media because he was you know, usually good for a quote or a funny tweet here and there. But yeah, it, it was time. He, he seemed to know it too when he was on uh, Carmen and Yurko the day he got DFA. He kind of seemed to know it was coming and seemed to acknowledge that you know the, the Cubs probably made the right decision and in their shoes they pro- he probably would have done the same thing. I was I was in the in the bleachers a, a few uh, a few road sodas deep when uh, Miggy hit hit a walk-off last season. Um, it might have been was that two seasons ago. I forget who it was against, but I, w- I was in the seats for a Miguel Montero walk-off home run, and the love that this sh- city showed a seemingly random catcher that had been brought onto the team, it, uh, it was great while it lasted. He threw a one hashtag, we are good, and ever since then, yeah. he kind of became a fan favorite. Nothing like a, nothing like a perfectly just orchestrated broken English hashtag yeah. to really bring together a fan base. And he was right. They were good. They were good. They were good. That was, that was not only fun, it was factual. And, and we enjoy those sorts of things, man. I'll change it up here. Uh, if you're good. Um, you know, this one's going to sound, I, I wish this was more of a comedic, like let's have fun with it by sell, But unfortunately it seems to be coming like a real thing. Um, the last couple nights, the, the recruitment of Gordon Hayward has been made public on Twitter by, uh, I think, Rudy Gobert of the Jazz, Hassan Whiteside of the Heat, and Isaiah Thomas of the Celtics. And they're not just sending tweets with words or you know recruiting messages at Hayward. Mm-hmm. They're recruiting him with emojis. Okay. And I, I, I hate this. I'm just going to go out there and say it. I hate that this is actually a real question, but are you buying this, buying or selling this as like a legitimate form of like recruitment now that this is where our generation has resorted to communication through many I'm, tiny pictures? I'm going to, I'm going to sell on this, Matt. Just Thank God. Let's not, let's not kid ourselves here. If Isaiah Thomas wants to text Gordon Hayward, he can get his number if he doesn't already have it from an agent. This is, again, outward posturing. This is more for the fans. This is a show that doesn't strike a chord, really, with me. I'm looking at it right now. Rudy Gobert tweeted, palm tree, garbage can. Well, that's... Four-leaf, yeah. four-leaf clover, poop. Oh, that makes sax- sense. Saxophone, championship trophy. How many of those championship trophies do the saxophones have? Just one. Okay. Just one that, that he just tweeted one. No, I say in real like in, 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 real in life, organizational in life, history. I believe there's zero championship okay. trophies. Well, that makes um, sense. Isaiah Thomas, on the other hand, said palm tree, three trophies. Okay. Four leaf clover. I'm not going to count them right now. How many championships do the Celtics have? I thought it was like 14. Something in the teens. Well, it's something in the teens. Saxophone, man standing with arms crossed. Oh, as in zero, I believe. Well, Hassan Whiteside, Hassan Whiteside says two thousand arrow two thousand seventeen. Four leaf clover one ring, palm tree three rings, saxophone three people sitting there looking confused. I hate this. Oh. I hate this, and it's so stupid. I, I understand these are young men, and Hassan Whiteside's what twenty three years old. But come on, this is this is ridiculous. I, I get it. I understand what you're doing here, but just call the guy. I don't even get this it. I don't even much. understand what they're doing here. Like this I know is... what they're doing, but I don't understand what they're doing here. And it, it actively, it it just it bothers me. I don't know why. It just annoys me. The one them. answer now that I'm I'm kind of looking at these tweets. The one answer is is the bottom line here. The influence: twenty five thousand retweets, fifty likes on Isaiah Thomas's tweet. 13,000 retweets, 20,000 likes on Hassan Whiteside's, 14,000 retweets, and 30,000 likes on Rudy Gobert's. So it's traction. It's a way for them to build their following. And I, I think that there, a lot of these guys are being told by their business managers to be out there, to be visible, to be smart with it, but to build a following because then you can, you can capitalize on that because these, these contracts just apparently aren't enough, these Encore contracts. Oh, yeah. Making uh, $44 million for doing literally nothing is not enough. So yeah, stop, stop, uh, get, get me out of my mood here, Joe. Switch okay, Matt, I'm sorry. Well, well, I'm going to, I'm going to stick on basketball, but I am going to, uh, we are going to transition a little bit here. Ooh, my uh, expertise. Big three basketball. I have yet to watch a minute, but ice cubes, three on ice cubes, three on three league. 
there's some some big names in there. I know Iverson's playing, some other guys. Player coach. Bo- he's a player coach? He's a player okay. coach. Gotcha. So he's the LeBron of their league. Yeah. Got it. Buy or sell the big three. Will you be watching any of it? I haven't tuned in yet. Um, I, I actually don't really know what channel it's on. Do you know what I believe it's, it's on? Fox Sports 1. Okay. If I do see, it's not one of these things that I'm going to actively seek out and try and watch, but if I'm home scrolling through and I see it on, I will absolutely tune in. Some of uh-huh. the names I'm seeing on here are just bringing me back to my childhood. I saw Corey Maggette. Shout out, Fenwick. Uh, Jason Williams, you know, white chocolate Jason Williams. You obviously mm-hmm. said Iverson. I saw Catino Mobley. Just yeah. some awesome names playing three-on-three basketball. Why the hell not tune in? It should be fun to watch. Sure, they're old now, but they're all old, so it's it's still going to be good. They're going to be old together. I think it'd be a fun. Yeah, I think I think it could be a fun watch. Um, I also heard someone talking about it. The championship is being played in Las Vegas on the same night as the Mayweather uh, McGregor fight. So that should be. You know what they'd be smart to do is to get that on the uh, on the card. Get it on the card. Get it on the early card. Play basketball in the octagon with three hoops. I think. You know, we're on to something. I here. think Ron, we should. Do you, do you got a guy we can call about this? <laughs> I, I might have to make a call to over to one of the sports books and see because you have to get it cleared by the sports books. First. Well, you, we well you, you got an agent now. Have your agent call his guy and then through four or five other calls, you know, we'll be good. We got somebody. No, sure. nobody, nobody makes moves in the desert without Vinny knowing about it. Exactly. So we're fine. We're all set. <laughs> we're going to make a lot of money from this. But we're you're gonna, buying big. You're buying big three basketball. Hundred percent. Why? I don't. I don't see any way I could possibly sell it. Perfect. I love it. Matt, we got uh, we didn't get much in the mailbag, but we got one mailbag this week. We do, and I like this because it's going to segue us into another topic. But this is okay. one that I I'm surprised we hadn't. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's like we know what we're doing a little bit. Um, <laughs> this is one I I really really this might be my favorite one we've gotten. It's a debate that I've had internally with myself, as well as externally with a few others. Um, Joe, fictional quarterbacks. Movie, TV, whatever. You need to win one football game. Who you got? Oh, I love this so much. Well, it's important that you use the caveat one football game. Yeah, I'm not talking about going. You know, I'm not talking about starting a regular season and you okay. make. Because if I'm starting of if I'm starting a franchise, no questions asked. Asked Willie Beeman. He's I young. Knew you would say he's that. flashy, but I need one game. I, we don't know where Willie's head's going to be at for that one game. So one game. One game I'm going Shane Falco. You could call him 20 minutes before the game and he'll be ready to bring everything. Uh, Gene Hackman got the most out of him. I thought Gene Hackman did a poor coaching job in the replacements. I think that Shane Falco is your one-game mercenary. You know, I'm not – first off, I'm upset because you stole my answer. Um, I'm not going to criticize Gene Hackman's coaching. He was very hamstrung <laughs> by, a, uh, by a very hands-on controlling owner and kind of wasn't really his choice to make. And you know it's what? True. In the end, he did get the decision right. He did pull Martell and go with Falco. Um, still don't understand why Falco didn't still show up to be the backup just in case. Um, right? Be there for your teammates. You know, but uh, yeah, he was a little bit, you know, he was down in the dumps. It was fine. Um, just hanging out on his houseboat. Yeah, and he, could, he knew what he was doing. His boat was like right next to the stadium. He can get there mm-hmm. in five minutes. Um, wow, now I gotta think because yeah, you I gotta, was gonna go I was gonna go Falco and I I will say that my main answer is Falco, but I will come up with somebody else simply because for for good radio. Give you me shouldn't one. agree. No. Matt Saracen, Friday Night Lights. Ooh. Matt now Saracen, he's not the most he's talented. Only he, played at the high school level, which could Put you in I, an I adverse like, situation. I like, I, like, I like the way his game translates to the pro level, Joe. He's just okay. a gamer. He's a gamer. He, he, he's he senior year, you know, flipped a receiver, so he kind of knows both sides of the equation there. He's just a gamer. He gets the throws out when he needs to. He he, he knows the offense. I, it, it, it's impossible to explain why I'm going with Matt Saracen, but if you've seen Friday Night Lights, very similar to Mike Winchell, the, the, the character he's, I think, based off in the movie. Mm-hmm. Going Matt Saracen. I think he gets the job done. He's beaten a lot more talented teams in the past. I like it. He, I'm taking you know, came up came up playing in front of twenty thousand in Texas. Yeah, he, he, this no, no, a, no stage is gonna really get to Saracen. No, he, he played in Dillon, Texas. They don't don't get much harsher critics than that. I, I think I think one honorable mention to Jamie O'Hara, Vince Vaughn in Rudy Ooh. doesn't get the doesn't get the, the, the playing time that he should have. Um so I think that Jamie O'Hara would be a good sleeper. Ronnie Bass, like, remember the Titans? Also high school, but still, he was pretty good. You got Ronnie Bass. Ronnie Bass. Uh, he looked like a pro at the time. 
there's some there's some solid ball players out there, and uh, and I think that. But I really do think Shane Falco won game. I think Shane, I think it's the no brainer answer. Falco. Really. It's, yeah. it's got to be Falco. Yeah, Dude, right, just, he's a gamer. He's a gamer, and uh, we we appreciate our gamers for listening to the Moose and Runes podcast. Please hit us up with those mailbag topics. We'll fit a couple more of them in here. We like having fun with them, fun topics like that. Uh, again, we appreciate you listening. Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on SoundCloud. Follow Matt and I on Instagram. Do whatever you need to do. Um, thanks for listening. Just get it done. Get it done. That's It, it just boils down to that, Matt. <laughs> Well, Matt, we're done talking fictional quarterbacks. Uh, we got to get some football into the podcast. It's been a couple weeks. We're in the dog days of summer. Let's talk NFL quarterbacks. Mitch Trubisky in the news, the gunslinger Brett Favre in the news, a couple other guys. Uh, you, you start us off here. Trubisky was on uh, was on friend of the show, Dave Kaplan's, uh, on his uh, radio show. The other, friend of the podcast. Uh, he was on his, his, his radio show the other day, and he's saying all the right things right now. Uh, he is, um, and he, he's been put in a tough spot. Um, yeah. I think uh, he, nothing that he's deserved or done to be under as close of a magnifying glass as he is. But uh, you know, I listened to the interview. He's saying all the right things. Um, I believe he said somewhere something about wanting to get to the playoffs this year. So we'll, he's got some ambition, mm-hmm. uh, I guess. But you know, he sounded very polished in the interview. Talked about, uh, I, I believe Cap was sitting in with Eddie Olchek that day, who asked him, uh, you know, if there's any you know current quarterbacks guys that he's kind of reached out to, had some some chance to interact with his you know type of mentorship type deal. Mm-hmm. And he's actually, you know, he, he's he's picked the brains of Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, a lot of the the bigger names. Hopefully, just the on field stuff with Ben Roethlisberger. Easy, but, uh, I'm sorry. easy. That was too. It was low hanging fruit, Joe. Hey, and if you've heard if you've heard some of the uh, back channel stories about uh, eighteen. Hopefully, just on field with with uh, the Peyton Man thing as well. Hey, college. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> no, not even college. Whatever. Oh, we'll leave it oh, at that. Okay, well, okay, we can cut it. There Hashtag now. sources. We'll cut. We'll cut that out. We'll cut that part <laughs> out. Um, but, uh, no, he, no, yeah, it's good. I'm glad that he is going about this in a proactive manner, and he's more worried about um, you know his on field, getting his head right, getting prepared for life in the NFL, and asking the right people. Um, kind of using them as sounding boards and because he is raw he's young he doesn't have much experience those are the biggest knocks on him and for him to be reaching out in such a mature fashion and worrying about that not worrying about uh buying a new mercedes or making sure he's got uh you know Kristen cavallari or, or a, a brand name girlfriend hey let's doing, not let's not take shots at cuddy he's doing the right thing that was i'm gonna i'm gonna keep my na- keep his name out of my mouth but um you know, love wins, love wins, <laughs> wherever your love is, you go find it. But what I'm saying is I'm really glad that Trubisky seems like he has his head on straight. That's my positive. That's my positive note on Mitchell Trubisky. I know I haven't had one yet. No, I'm glad you to bring up the word maturity. Cause I was going to, if you didn't, he, he seems to be handling all this very, very maturely. Um, he seems to be setting himself up, you know, in a good spot, at least like you said, mentally um, get, trying to gain that experience that he doesn't quite have yet. And, Hopefully he gets there. Um, the one thing that's scaring me a little bit is uh, when they were in mini camps last. It was over a week or two ago. Reporters, beat writers, you know, guys you know, who were watching practice and all that stuff said um, Trubisky was looking much better in camp than Mike Glennon. Which um, that that just I know it's camp. I know it's practice. I know there's no rush. Anything they're just kind of standing there and throwing. So I hope Trubisky looks better. Mm-hmm. But. I really hope this isn't like Glennon sucks for three or four games. Let's just throw the kid in there because that's never really that a was, good formula. That was one of my biggest trepidations in all of this, but uh, it is a reality I think that we are going to see. I, I buy a bonus buy or sell. <laughs> Give me a- eight games before you see Mitchell Trubisky starting quarterback for the Bears. I, I, so, no, sorry, this is an over under. Over under. Okay. Definitely not buy or sell. Totally under. different concept. Big under. under. Happy under. under. Okay, I would have I would have said over. I'm going to say it's still going to be warm out in Chicago when Mitch Trubisky makes his first start, and it's wow. Mitch, not Mitchell. It's Mitch. Did I say and Mitchell? I will hammer that. You said Mitchell. I'm You're sorry. going along with it. You're going along with the establishment. They want us to stay Mitchell. You're in Chicago. It's Mitch. It's true. Fight the power. Fight the power. It's Mitch. Other quarterbacks in the news: the gunslinger, Brett Favre saying that he could someday see himself as a general manager or coach. This is, uh, you know, this is just the... This is classic Favre. 
this is a guy who misses the game. And I, it hurts me how much he misses the game. Like he just wants to be around it. And I respect that coaching high school teams doing this and that. And I could see him. I don't know. I couldn't see him coaching. I could see him in a front office somewhere, maybe as like an associate or as like uh, a, a, a consultant. Consultant. I can't see yeah. him running a team. I don't. I, no. Brett Favre does not strike me as the presidential general manager. He's type. never been a well thought out individual. He's no. always just been the let's go out there and get this done, and I love that. He's a gunslinger. That, he's the gunslinger. In, I think in what everything it is, he does. I think what it is is that. Drew Brees continues to, or other people continue to creep in on his records, and Drew Brees is probably going to break his completions record this year. Yeah. And this is just a way for him to get back in the conversation so he could then get in one of the conversations when there's an injury so then we could end up seeing a gray Brett Favre throwing passes in the NFL again someday. I have not ruled that out of the question. I think that's still more likely than him being a general manager or a coach in the NFL, him playing at least one more down in the NFL. I I don't yeah, think any I, of them are either of them are realistic, but I think that that's more realistic. I do too. He's, I don't think he's running a team. I don't think he's coaching. I think you could see him, like we said, in the front office in a consulting role and standpoint. Maybe you know a guy who comes in during training camp works with quarterbacks type deal. But yeah, I don't think he's I don't think he's cut out to be the the head coach, general manager type. And that's not a knock on him. That's just okay. Maybe it is a knock on him. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just kind of how I see Brett Favre. But, but damn it, but damn it, Brett, we miss you. If I that's do. what you want to hear, we miss you. Go play quarterback for the Rams. <laughs> I would love to see Brett Favre in L.A., you know, Jared Goff under him. Oh, oh God. Gosh. I would pay for, if only Jeff Fisher was still there, too. That'd be perfect. Fisher be and match, Favre. Match be, made in heaven. Sitcom. Just beers on the sideline. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, and some, some actual quarterback news. David Carr becomes the highest paid player in NFL history. Uh, I'll say it's deserved because this is the going rate now. And, you know, he was next up. He was, he was due for a contract and he'll have the biggest contract for the next 20 minutes. And then the next guy who signs his contract will have a bigger one. Yeah. It's weird to give a biggest contract in NFL history to a washed up backup who was the first overall pick in 2004 or whatever it is, right? Whoa. Whoa. Calling you out a little bit, Joe. A little bit. It's Derek Carr. Oh, He's what did I say? Bro- you said David. Oh, no. He is not his brother. Oh, no. How dare you? Derek Carr. But, yeah, it's it, it, talking about the actual – sorry, I couldn't resist. No, that was um, fair. I'm glad that you that – You you, you, uh, you haven't been afraid to call well. me out in the past. I'm going to call you I'm out. Ga- don't, don't, don't apologize for your call out here. I did. That was a good, that was a good call out. You came at it. It was a factual call out as well. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. Derek, Derek's – it's the – the next logical signing, like you said, he, he's the most, you know, the highest paid now until I don't maybe Mariota or someone like that is the next guy whose big contract comes up and then they're going to be the new highest bid. It's, it's how the league goes. It's how the quarterback position gets paid. It's the most important position in sports. And if you have a guy who's an elite one, they're going to demand to be the next yep. highest paid guy. Yeah. And the I, only guy, I, I think the only one you see not making that now is Tom Brady because he already made that. And now he realizes he'd rather have a good team around just him wants than to be the highest paid player. Yeah, he's. I'm paid. My wife's paid. We're good. Let's just let's just be good on the field. And I, I you know, I respect the hell out of Tommy for for making that decision too. Because when when the numbers are right in front of you, and and all you got to do is sign the dotted line, it takes a lot to to make that decision. But congratulations to the proper car brother. A, a little tease. My airing of grievance next week. Parents who name their kids similar names. That's going to be my next airing of grievances because the car the car family you, uh, you know, pu- publicly embarrassed me today taking a shot at my dad what do you got matt and mike yeah, yeah but those are like classic names like you you can decipher matt and mike i guess derek matt, and mike da- derek david that's derek david yeah you better be careful joe you're, you're taking a lot of shots at me today now you're lot, with a, a lot of per- a lot of personal shots i was just trying to cover my tracks there. you come at me that's one thing you come at the family give me a break uh you know i, I hold the Rooney's in a special place in my heart man. well how could you not <laughs> all right buddy well it's been a it's been a pleasure i'm i'm sure uh you know there's things that we ha- we have to hit still but uh, i'm gonna have you shut us down here you got a good one for us man shut it down Shut it all down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Houston, we have shut down. I've seen enough. Shut it down.
I do, and I'm guessing that you tuned into this as well. I did. Um, the free, which was fantastic, Manny Pacquiao was is David Horn. David mm-hmm. Horn. Yeah, David Horn fight. Uh, Are you Saturday still making night. fun of me? Are you still no, taking I, shots at me there? That, that actually worked that out really well. That seems genuine. No, that seemed genuine, but that, that was that the timing there well. was much too perfect. I would <laughs> take credit for that. God, his name was actually David. Um, oh lord. But uh, it was for the WBO welterweight title. Uh, Pacquiao's first fight in 13 months, I think it was. Make this care whatever. 13 months, 10 months, what doesn't really matter. Um, in Australia, uh, those two had. A, a great fight. I think Horn came in 16-0, and 0, but kind of hadn't really faced anybody yet. This was his first real test. Um, and it was 12 rounds of what boxing should be. I think you talked about it a couple you know, shut-it-downs ago uh, when you talked about the heavyweight division needing the heavyweights. Granted, these two weren't heavyweights, but these two were out there throwing punches like they were. Um, it wasn't the typical Mayweather defensive fight that you see where he just kind of dances around people. Horn and Pacquiao, especially Horn early on, came out swinging. Pacquiao in the later rounds came out countering, and they both were dead after 12 rounds. That said, Horn won via unanimous decision somehow. And if you listen to the broadcast, watch the fight, all the experts were saying, you know, Horn's throwing valiant effort, but Pacquiao's taking this over. You know, had had the fight scored 117-111, Pacquiao pretty much for the most part across the board. Horn won by unanimous decision the other way, which was just about a shock to everybody. And I want to like boxing. I really do. But it's hard when there are just more and more examples of how the sport is becoming fixed and predicted so they can set up rematches and make their money. Um, It's tough for me to get too invested into fights when I'm watching something like this and know that not the right person is going to be the winner because we're leaving it up to three judges on scorecards. Um... I want, like I said, I want to be a boxing fan. I want to tune in, but when the MMA, UFC, whatever, continuously gets this right, whereas boxing continually gets this wrong, just to start to make a couple extra bucks. Especially, I mean, they they had this right. They did everything right leading up to this event, putting it on free TV, getting Pacquiao out there against a bigger yet unknown, unproven name, putting the title on the line, whatever. Um, it was a shot for boxing to shine and start re, you know, reach up, grab that that mantle that they've been trying to get to and back you know compete with the ufc all that they had their chance and they screwed it up and i think teddy atlas said it best after the fight they basically awarded horn the winning winning the award excuse me awarded horn the fight is more of an effort trophy than him winning yeah Um, and that's really what it seemed like to me i I think he got that because it was fixed and they wanted to set up a rematch but david horn hats off at Came out swinging, you know, showed a great chin, took a lot of punches, almost had the fight stopped, but you know, stuck it out through 12 rounds and, and competed. Shouldn't have won that fight. Shouldn't be the champion right now. Called out, had the audacity to call out Floyd Mayweather afterwards too, <laughs> kind of just getting his ass kicked. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, it's a shame because like, I, I know you're in the same boat. It's a sport I want to love. It's a sport I want to get back into, but it's hard when it's this clearly fixed, honestly. Yeah. Uh, Matt, I couldn't agree with you more there because – I saw it. We all saw it. Those who watched it saw it, and it looked relatively cut and dry. I'm never going to stand here and say I'm a master of the sweet science, but we saw what we saw. And right now is such a pivotal moment, I feel like, in the history of boxing and in getting people to come back to boxing because there are so many great fights coming up, not just Mayweather-McGregor. You got Gennady Golovkin versus Canelo Alvarez, Mm -hmm. which is supposed to be the fight of the century that they're billing it as. And this is a big moment for the sport and for them to get something wrong with a big name. Now, Manny Pacquiao is a bit long in the tooth, but with a big name on the card like Manny Pacquiao and getting it wrong, not in his favor as well, this just doesn't bode well. So I, I agree with all your sentiments there, Matt. Yeah, I'm not sure if they're trying to set up a rematch or they're trying to you know set up another big name that they can market and horn, you know, now 17-0, whatever. But it, it, it just... It was off. Something seemed wrong after the fight. Well, hopefully they can get it right from moving on from here, Matt. It was a pleasure talking with you again for, we didn't mention it yet, the 10th edition of the Moose and Rune podcast. We're in double digits now, Matty. Just a couple of seasoned veterans. It's been a pleasure putting these 10 down with you. Hey, happy anniversary, uh, Joe. let's, Let's look forward to 
to 90 more and we'll uh, we'll revisit things at the 100th episode. How's that sound? I'm, I'm cool with that. Maybe the 100th episode we can finally get on that Patrick Sharp rooftop. Boom. We could do it from there a remote on location. Broadcast. Remote broadcast on location. We can put in our iPhone headphones and everything. There we go. That's, that's professional. All right, Matter. For Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musso. That's the Moose and Runes podcast. Like we said, like, subscribe, share, post, do whatever you need. Enjoy it. Love it because we love you. Thanks for listening. We're out. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome.